This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd. Coming up, the Kansas Board of Education will soon vote on a recommendation to do away with Native American mascots statewide. Tribal leaders say the change is overdue. I find these things sad and horrific, and experiencing them also sad and horrific. Plus, voters in Johnson County will choose between two Kansas Board of Education candidates who diverge on hot-button issues, like who controls the curriculum and how schools discuss mental health. If we don't put reasonable and moderate people in positions of leadership, we will see a deterioration of the quality of education we're offering students. But first, some headlines. Jackson County Executive Frank White Jr. says he plans to use $1 million in pandemic relief aid to help women seeking reproductive health services outside of Missouri. KCUR's Noah Taborda reports. After Roe v. Wade was overturned, Missouri banned abortions. That pushed people to Kansas and beyond for the procedures. The Jackson County Reproductive Equity Fund would not go toward the costs of abortions. Instead, White says it would help cover other related costs. They can go cross lines to get it done, but we want to make sure that they have the ability to have access to the travel costs, hotel costs, things like that. Bottom line is we just want to be supportive where we need to be supportive. A similar effort in St. Louis is currently in state court after Attorney General Eric Schmidt sued, saying abortion access is not a legal use of federal relief funds. Republican Eric Schmidt has widened his lead over Democrat Trudy Bush-Valentine in Missouri's U.S. Senate race. KCUR's Brian Ellison reports. Schmidt, who as attorney general has focused much of his work on suing the Biden administration, has maintained a consistent double-digit lead in the race. Schmidt now leads Valentine 51 to 39 percent with just 6 percent undecided. Meanwhile, Missouri Amendment 3, which would allow the possession and use of marijuana by adults in the state, holds a more modest lead, 47 percent yes and 39 percent no. Amendment 4, which would allow the state to require more funding for Kansas City's state-controlled police department, leads two to one. With a third of all voters undecided, nearly half of the state's voters say they are not too familiar or not at all familiar with the measure. The poll conducted last week by Emerson College for The Hill has a three percent margin of error. Former Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach Britt Reed, son of head coach Andy Reed, has been sentenced to three years in prison for a felony charge of drunken driving. Greg Eklund has more for KCUR. The crash occurred in February last year and left Ariel Young, who was five at the time, permanently impaired. Megan Carter of Mothers Against Drunk Driving reacted afterward to the sentence. While three years is a better sentence than we had anticipated because we were coming in thinking that it would be probation, there's still never going to be enough justice for what her family and what Ariel will live with forever. Reed was taken into custody after Judge Charles McKenzie imposed his sentence. He told Young, who was in the courtroom, quote, I'm sorry this happened to you, unquote. An attorney for the victim's family said in a statement they were outraged that Reed did not receive the maximum seven-year sentence. The Kansas Board of Education is considering a plan to make Native American mascots a thing of the past. Tribal leaders say the change is overdue. But Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports about two dozen schools and the communities that support them aren't likely to drop their mascots unless they're forced to. On a Friday night in Andale, Kansas, the six-time state champion Andale High School football team is off to another early lead. It's senior night. Everyone's wearing black and gold, 
and they're cheering on the Andale Indians. More than 20 Kansas high schools still have Native American mascots. Here in Andale, the Indian head logo is everywhere, on shirts, flags, uniforms, and scoreboards. The school newsletter is called Smoke Signals. The school store, the teepee. Even the town's water tower says Andale, home of the Indians. Over the past few years, a handful of Kansas schools have done away with Native American mascots, which critics say are vulgar and racist. I find these things sad and horrific, and experiencing them also sad and horrific. Olivia Brin represents the Iowa tribe of Kansas and Nebraska. She recently told state school board members that racist mascots affect students' self-esteem and can worsen depression. But what we have the opportunity here today to do is to change that for all of us and actually be leaders. An advisory group wants the Kansas Board of Education to recommend an end to Native American mascots statewide. Kansas State University professor Alex Redcorn says mascots that portray Native Americans as savages hurt not only students at those schools, but anyone who competes against them. I've been in schools where you're playing the Indians, and so it's homecoming week, and all the pep assembly stuff's out, and you got to scalp the Indians on the pep assembly signage. Stuff like that really is school-sanctioned bullying. The question is whether state leaders have any real sway on the issue. Local schools and districts make decisions on mascots, as Andale Superintendent Mindy Bruce is quick to point out. The state board doesn't have authority to make a change happen. They just have the authority to make a recommendation. But those pushing for change say offensive mascots create a hostile learning environment which goes against state guidelines on student well-being. And they argue that state officials have more power than they're putting to use. The State Department of Education could, for instance, even use accreditation to pressure schools to eliminate racist imagery. In Wichita, critics tried for decades to get North High School to change its mascot, which was a racial slur. Last year, the Wichita School Board voted to ditch it. This is a a move that will heal some wounds, will start the process of healing some wounds. Dal Dombo heads the Indian Education Program for Wichita Schools. He says the battle over North High's mascot came down to pressure from Native American students and parents. The overwhelming majority uh, wanted a change, or at least to be heard. Now several state board members, including Betty Arnold of Wichita, say all schools should do away with offensive mascots. There are so many people that have just not stopped to think about what this is saying to someone else, how this is hurting someone else. And ignorance is not an excuse. Mindy Bruce, the Andale superintendent, says no one on her school board has raised concerns about the mascot. She says she'll wait for clear direction from state leaders. I try not to get ahead of it until it's something factual and in place because we've all known over the past years how things can take five different turns. (laughs) So I've just learned um, to wait until things are in place and then go from there. The Kansas Board of Education is expected to vote on the issue at its November meeting. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Suzanne Perez in Wichita. The Kansas News Service is a collaboration of KMUW, KCUR, Kansas Public Radio, and High Plains Public Radio. It reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. 
In the past two years, fights over COVID-19 protocols and debates over race and LGBTQ issues have dominated education headlines. KCUR's Jody Fortino reports a heated race for the Kansas Board of Education in Johnson County is turning on what role the government should have in schools. In the third district seat for the State Board of Education, which covers schools in Overland Park, Olathe, and Gardner, the two candidates disagree on hot-button issues like who controls school curriculum and how to deal with mental health in schools. On one side, we have Sheila Albers. A newcomer to politics, she's better known for her activism after her son, John Albers, was killed by an Overland Park police officer. But... Albers has a lot of background in education. Professionally, I spent 25 years in public education as a teacher and then as an administrator. In my last 13 years in education, I was the principal at Harmony Middle School in Blue Valley. But the biggest issues for Albers are much less flashy. Things like addressing the national teacher shortage, school safety in the wake of the Uvalde shooting, and expanding early childhood education. We don't even have enough placements for families who want their child to receive early childhood education. So clearly there's a need as as a community we're not meeting. According to a 2019 report from Child Care Aware Kansas and the State Department for Children and Families, 70% of children in the state live in households where all available parents are working. Albers' opponent, Michelle Dombrowski has abstained or voted against approving grant awards for the Kansas Preschool Pilot and Parent Education Program. Her vote no on expanding funding for early childhood education to me is a sign that she's pushing her own personal agenda rather than meeting the needs of this community. I wanted to ask Dombrowski more about this issue, but despite many attempts to schedule an interview, we never got a chance to talk. Dombrowski is running for re-election after winning her seat in 2019. According to her campaign site, Dombrowski has two children who attended the Blue Valley School District and spends time working with local church charities. I've reached out to her many times. Calls, emails, Facebook messages, you name it, I've done it. So I went to Topeka for this month's state school board meeting to learn more about where she stands on the issues. One agenda item was a recommendation on elementary and secondary school emergency relief funds. The next item is the ESSER. Also known as ESSER funds, they're federal dollars given to schools to address COVID learning loss, mental health needs, and keeping schools healthy during the pandemic. Dombrowski abstained from the vote. During her time on the board, she has consistently abstained from or voted against accepting federal funds. That's something she touched on with a slate of other conservative candidates at a September rally in Kansas City, Kansas. That's where a lot of our problems are happening. It's at the federal level coming in into our schools. At that same rally, Dombrowski shot down federal overreach in school policies, saying parents should have more control of their child's education. She also voiced concerns about school officials and the government violating privacy laws for students needing mental or physical health care. As a note, students' medical and educational information is still protected under federal law. I am not against mental health. I think that people need need to be served and need that help. But our schools are not medical facilities. They are not covered by HIPAA. They certainly aren't covered by FERPA anymore. Albers disagrees. She says schools need local and federal funds to meet students' needs. Candidates like Dombrowski are gaining ground on school boards. Two conservative candidates who want to restrict how race is taught also won their primaries in August. And conservative candidates have won recent local school board elections in Blue Valley, Olathe, and Gardner-Edgerton. 
Sheila Albers says the reason she decided to run for a seat now is because she feels like public schools are under attack, in part because of extremists in elected positions. If we don't put reasonable and moderate people in positions of leadership, we will see a deterioration of the quality of education we're offering students, and we will see the teacher shortage get worse instead of better. On November 8th, voters will pick their candidate and potentially change the makeup of a board whose decisions affect the whole state. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Jody Fortino. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Suzanne's story on Native American mascots and Jody's story on the 3rd District Board of Education election at kcur.org, where you can find more local news and election coverage from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. Every episode of A People's History of Kansas City brings you up close and personal with a particular person's story, and there's over like 20 episodes waiting for you right now. Like one about the founder of Kansas City's famous barbecue flavor, or about how a local broadcaster carved out a space for Black-owned radio. And there's so many more stories ready for you to discover. Check out the vault of past episodes of A People's History of Kansas City. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app.